Welcome to In Season, where we explore connections between people, plants, land, and wildlife here in the lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff, and today I am so happy to be talking again to David Hendrickson of Carlo Wine and Cider. Hi, David. Good morning. So you're based down in the Wheeler-Nahalem area with your business, but um, through cider making, you have gotten to know a lot of apple trees in this region. And just as, a, as an aside, if anyone's interested in hearing more about David's cider making process and all of that, we recorded a really excellent show in the fall of 2023. So you can look back through the KMUN archives on the in-season page for the podcast of that show. It's a, it's a really great one to go and listen to. But today... It's late winter, and this is a time of year when many people who have fruit trees on their property in their yard think about, I'm supposed to do something with that tree now, aren't I? <laughs> I know this is what's happening in my mind, because I'm not a fruit tree person, but I have fruit trees, and it scares me. And so I want you to talk to us about yes. what do we do, um, yes. and, and, you know, and your own journey to understanding this, because you're not, I mean, you don't come from like an arborist background or any of this, but you like you love apple trees, you love fruit trees. And so you've learned how to do this. I am learning. To, <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning how to do this. So I, I'll preface and say that I don't have any like formal training, university training, um, but I've spent a lot of time with pruners in my hands. I've worked in, I probably have more experience doing grapes than I do apple trees, but there's a lot of similarities. Um, and so, yeah, we're really just entering the time of year where you want to do your winter pruning. And, uh, and why is that? I mean, what is so important about pruning in the winter as opposed to like, I'm just, oh, it's, you know, July. Can I hack at my apple tree then? Yeah. I mean, the coolest part about these perennial trees and vines is that they are, they're year round. They're going to last for decades, centuries if they're well taken care of and they have what they need. Um, and just a little bit of attention to the tree or the vine a couple times a year. Um, kind of just builds a greater relationship with the, the cycle of the tree. And so naturally, um, I guess we'll start, we'll start the cycle now. The tree starts in after it fruits, after it puts out all its leaves, puts out its fruit, it is done for the year and it goes into dormancy. So the trees will likely take a nap from around the end of November until about the end of March. And so that dormant time that we are in now is the time to do kind of your large winter cuts. While you, it's still asleep. While it's still asleep. While it's still asleep, but it's close to waking up. Um, you know, the biggest, the biggest hurdle in our area is moisture. Big, big <laughs> hurdle, <laughs> big hurdle. Moisture and humidity in all of its wonderful forms. That is the main uh, thing that we are working against and we are trying to, uh, yeah, give the trees, give our garden a chance to, uh, kind of use the benefits of that mm -hmm. in terms of growing strong, uh, but not the, the downsides in terms of the mildews, the disease, uh, just the general sogginess. So is pruning this time of year, does that help address some of those issues? I, I, I've heard a lot about like, you wanna thin the trees for better airflow. Yes. Is that one reason to do it? Yes, and so the easiest, the easiest way you can start in the winter is to start removing the Ds, the three or the four Ds, the dead, the dying, the damaged, <laughs> the diseased. If I said that, yeah. That's four. Okay, that's four. <laughs> so those would be those would be your four Ds, and those are those are things that just need to go. They have either you know we just had this ice storm a couple weeks ago, 
we had a huge crop last year, so the trees might have seen broken branches, some sheared branches. You've noticed that one of these you know, branches has no fruit. One branch goes over the road, whatever, or your driveway. Or your elk and deer keep leaning in and chewing off branches yes. and like stripping them, yes. maybe. I'm just like speaking from personal experience. Yes. A lot of damage can happen that way too. Yes. And so if you just, if you can just focus on that in the winter. Just uh, cutting those things out. Cutting those things out. And so that is going to be just removing those things. You're going to get more airflow. You're going to have less areas for kind of bad things to nest and spread and you will have a happier and healthier tree if you are just able to remove those those things in the winter months, in the late winter months. So I can see dam. I mean, damaged is pretty obvious. Dead is usually pretty obvious because it's brown and looks kind of lifeless. I've always liked you use your fingernail and kind of scratch the bark, and if you don't see any green underneath the skin, it's dead. Yes. Dead will, even if you just take a branch, even if it's up to like finger width, if you just give it a gentle bend, if it bends nicely, it probably still has some, some life force in it. If it just cracks right off, it's dead. It's dead. It's and do you want to cut it back to the trunk? You do want to cut it back to the trunk. So if we think of, if we think of a tree growing as a whole, most of the, the life force and growing in the tree is in what we call the cambium layer, which is just about the bark and about two or three millimeters under the bark. And that's that green area you're talking about. So most of the nutrients in the tree are moving through that area. The trunks and large limbs are kind of like a coral reef where they've just built this structure on the inside, but that is not necessarily the area where the water, the nutrients, and everything are traveling through. So that outside, that outside ring is the most important part. The most precious. The most precious part. Take care of that. Take, take care of your cambium. <laughs> yes, take care of that. So, and then are you just looking for stru like structure? Are you trying, because another thing, I mean, I know enough, of, I feel like I know enough about pruning to get into trouble, but maybe <laughs> not to be really successful. Because it's like, I've heard like you want to take out branches that are crossing each other. So like if you, so if you get to the four D's and you take all that stuff out and disease, would it be like, what are you looking for with disease? You're just looking for really uh, unhealthy branches you can usually see it like we talked about all of that life is kind of in the bark and the cambium layer if you see the bark with boils and cankers anything oozing out of that um, those are all signs that something isn't isn't, isn't right. right there and it's best the best practice there again is to remove that to clean your tools whether you're going to potentially spread that to another tree at your home or close by or even another area of the tree. Oftentimes you'll just see one, you know, one limb has had, is having tough times. And the best thing you can do is just make a nice clean cut on that, get rid of it. What do you do with the wood? Do you burn it or throw it away? Yeah, burn it. If it, you know, it, it is tough to identify the disease stuff, but yeah, I would usually, when I start with the tree, again, another general rule beyond starting with the four Ds is that you wouldn't want to remove more than about 20% of the tree in any given year. Um, so it is pretty easy to limit yourself in doing that. I will cut everything off the tree and then I'll have a pile started by the tree so that I can take a break, take a step back, look at the size of my pile in relation to my tree. Oh, that's a good way of doing it. Yeah. And it, taking a step back is really important. You get kind of, you get a big picture, you get the whole scope of the tree, which branches are going in weird angles. Is the top too crazy? Is this, is it leaning out to the side? Um, 
and that will give you kind of a bigger picture to just give it a haircut, take it down a little bit, get the big dead stuff out of there, and just work in kind of more airflow and more even, uh, more even sun. Do you like walk around the tree as you're doing it? I will, I will walk around the tree. I like to, I kind of like to set myself a timer for some of this stuff. I will have a beer or a lemonade and that's kind of like a good timeline. Like you can take care of a whole tree in the 20 minutes it takes you to enjoy a drink on a nice day in the winter. You can do a walk around. You can cut out the dead and dying stuff. You can remove a couple of the branches that you think are going in weird places that they don't need to go. Um, you can kind of survey your work and then you can be done. And that's really all it takes for just some winter management. Um, you again, pull your branches off, have a bonfire, yeah, have another lemonade ship or them up. whatever. Yeah, put them in a barbecue. <laughs> Apple is great wood. Um, it is really hard, good wood. It's fantastic for like, if you have anybody that does barbecue or smoking, it makes fantastic smoke wood. You can actually make really cool tools and handles out of it. It's really hard wood. So multi-use. Multi-use. It's good stuff. <laughs> Potentially multi-use. <laughs> what do you use to clean your tools with? I just use a little bit of alcohol. I'll keep kind of my kit for very, very like basic. A, like an isopropyl, isopropyl alcohol. Isopropyl alcohol. Mm -hmm. And you can even water it down a little bit so that you have about 50% alcohol. That should be... Um, just and, and wipe it. Or and just wipe, yeah, mm -hmm. wipe the blades down. So your basic, your basic kit, we do not... We're hoping not to need to use chainsaws, Yeah. any gas-powered equipment. I really like the idea of using quality hand tools. Each of your tools kind of dictates how big the cut will be. So if you don't want to do a lot of work, you can just grab your pruners, knowing that your pruners can only cut about a finger, a finger thickness, if you will, and know that you can't cut anything bigger with those. Yeah. And then I like to move up to a handsaw for that. If and it's again, bigger than a finger. If it's bigger than a finger. Or I guess we'll go into the next one, like a, a big kind of an orchard style lopper. So a mm -hmm. long handled lopper, you know, you can cut something that would be, you know, two, maybe three fingers. Depending uh, on the loppers. Yeah. Yeah. And then up to a handsaw. And the handsaw is nice because you get a chainsaw in your hand. You're like, I can get rid of that. I can get rid of that. And all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> your entire tree is cut your down. Your entire tree is gone. You're kind of going for the cut and pray strategy, which is not what. Yeah. Which is not where we want to be starting. Yeah. Well, uh, especially with a fruit tree. If you, yeah. if you are hoping to have fruit on if it that year, you only want to cut so much. Yes. And then, um, and then allow it to recover. And I like the 20% rule. And I've, I'd never thought about it like that, just leaving the pile of branches and then really looking at the pile of branches in relation yeah. to what's left of the tree and think about maybe I need to stop now. Exactly. Even if there's more you could do, Yeah. maybe stop. Yeah. Do yeah. you ever prune later in the year? I do. I really like it. So you can kind of think about your, your winter pruning that we're going to be doing in February and March as, as your big stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, big, big issues, all the 4Ds, big airflow issues. And then in the summer, you can, um, from pretty much the solstice on through the mid-season, um, you can cut out the smaller stuff and you can kind of more aesthetically form your tree. Um, especially if you choose to go with a smaller tree for your back guard, garden, like a you know, a dwarf tree or a semi-dwarf tree. With summer pruning, you can maintain that tree to like a really manageable height that you can harvest easily. You won't, it's not gonna get out of control when 40 feet tall. Um, with summer pruning, you can do some aesthetic simple cuts. Again, 10, 15 minutes, 
and really maintain that tree size to kind of under 12 feet tall and have it be produce more than enough apples for yourself, your family, your friends, your <laughs> uncles, your aunts. <laughs> I am amazed at how much a yeah. small tree can produce. It's kind of terrifying. Yeah. And then when you look at some of these old trees that we have out and about in, in the, you know, the countryside yeah. that are not dwarf trees, that are monsters, I mean, yeah. they produce so much fruit. So much fruit. It's a crazy amount. And I know that you've yeah. really tapped into this network for your cider business. I know you've gone around and you know, connected with old orchards and property owners and found ways to, you know, find apples from this whole region, um, which is really cool. And and just briefly touch on, I know you've you've been helping out with a cool, um, like, historic project down in the Nahalem Valley with tracking the apple varieties down there. How's that going? It has been really fun. It has been really fun. Um, we got a grant from the Tillamook Cultural Coalition, and we had a big apple fest in the fall. It was fantastic. It was glad to see you and yeah, friends down there. It was so cool. See, I have to say, I hope you do that again because yeah. it was such a treat. There was apple, like cider pressing and apple tasting and apple baked goods. Yeah, and it, it was should really be on lovely. again. Jennifer yeah. has done a great job. Trav has done a great job. Everybody that has helped out has done a great job. And I think, um, yeah, they were just really happy with how the grant went. So we've extended it and we're going to do a little grafting project mm -hmm. in the spring. Um, and the purpose of that is we're going to allow folks that have these really old heirloom trees, 100-year-old trees. Um, this is also the time of year that you would want to go cut scion wood. And a scion wood is like, is a piece of the tree. I don't know, we're going to get really complicated here. No, no, I think, I mean, this is good because grafting is cool yeah. and, and it sounds scary. Yeah. So, but basically grafting is how you make a new apple tree because apple trees, I love this, do not come true from seed. Yes, they will not grow true to type. And so, so all of the trees that, like if you're buying a variety of tree, that is grafted from the original crazy wild tree that just happened to, was a Granny Smith or yes. a whatever tree. And, and then everything is like the scion wood. Yes. And so you would remove a piece of, of wood from the tree. Typically, you would try to just grab a healthy first year growth, which mm -hmm. is the most active part of a tree. Like the vegetative one year growth is usually about a foot to three feet long every year. Um, you would grab a piece of that and then you would make a specific kind of diagonal cut and you would attach that to a root stock. And so the roots on the bottom, they're kind of the bottom half of the operation. Um, and they will, they will essentially tell the top half what form it should grow. And this the, is so cool. Yeah, and the top half will say what kind of fruit you're gonna get. So you're fusing those things together so you can have the variety you want on the top with its desired growing patterns and habits on the bottom. And that's what you, that's what you buy from a nursery. You do have to bind it up. You and, do have to bind it but up. But then they grow together. It's the coolest thing. They grow together. So yeah, we're, we talk about the trees in this dormant stage where there's not a lot of sap and nutrient flow. They've lost all their leaves. They're kind of sleeping, taking a nap. That is the best time to make these cuts. And then in around April, they wake up. They get all the sap flowing. They start pushing leaves. As soon as that sap starts flowing is when you want to attach these pieces. So if you did the grafting in the winter when they're all dormant, it's not going to take as not much? Not going to take. There will not be that 
the flow. The, the, gl the glue and the flow will not be there <laughs> in the winter. But These are you... highly technical terms. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but it, to me, that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. So, so you need it to be waking up and that, that kind of movement happening for that, that melding to happen between the rootstock and exactly. the... Exactly. And like we were talking about, most of that, most of the tree's kind of life force and sap is in that cambium layer, that outer two to three millimeters of green material on the branch. And so you will be yeah, carefully lining those up, line up your bottom, line up your top, a nice diagonal cut, have them touch, and then wrap them together. Some people use wax. You can use like a thin tape. Um, How long does it usually take for them to know if that graft is taken? It's pretty impressive. Sometimes if you get a really good one, you're looking at like a week or two later, and it's just going right through like nothing ever happened. Other times you'll get stuff and it, you know, it kind of takes time to figure out or it's not a perfect graft union and kind of only one little road is working, but they're amazingly resilient. You can have, even at a first timers level, I just started doing this in the last three years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my first year I did a couple dozen and I had like an 85, 90% success rate. And that was, I was, I was impressed at myself for that. I, I, <laughs> It may not always be so, but yes. but that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, and that and what a cool way to save some of these old tree varieties. I mean, especially if you don't quite know what apple it is, but you just yeah. know it's a good apple. Yeah. Um, then you can take growth from it and start a new tree with it. Exactly, you can propagate it, and you can have yeah, pass on your grandpa's favorite tree, your uncle's favorite tree, this other person's favorite tree so, it's just a great way to preserve it and you just get so many more fun exciting apples that way no offense to all the apples yeah. we have now that have grown up in laboratories and university programs there's some like awesome stuff coming out but i personally love these old heirloom varieties especially the old american heirloom varieties are just really unique and delicious um yeah they're adapted to our area yeah i mean clearly they like to grow here because there are apple trees everywhere yeah. and sometimes you don't realize it until the fall when all of a sudden just driving down any yeah. slightly rural highway or road yeah. and there's or even just driving through a town and you see so many apple trees in people's yards yes and uh i'm blown away by there are a lot of apples <laughs> out here and i think some that have have clearly been spread yeah. by birds too <laughs> and oh, like yeah. where's that one coming from oh, i don't know yeah. So, so these are all great things to know. Um, and I, you know, I say this as someone who oh, just slapped my microphone. Sorry about that. Um, I say that as someone who, uh, struggles with, with having confidence that I'm going to do the right thing. I'm just convinced I'm going to kill my trees. And, and so part of it's just like, get in there and do it. Um, is it, do you, would you, I mean, I know sometimes it's helpful to have someone come and do it with you. I mean, you said that you maybe started doing some consulting, with like you can come out and visit people's trees and take a look at it and maybe work with an arborist to do some pruning. I mean that so that's an option for people as well if they're really nervous. Yes. There can be some hand holding. Yes. Um, and that's an arrangement I've made with a lot of folks. I've just met people through um, yeah, through cider and through driving around and through connections, friends, friends of friends. Um, and I often have the agreement, like, I will happily come help you harvest in the fall and process some of this stuff. But I'm also happy to come back and consult you and help out um, in maintaining these trees so they're easier. To harvest. Easier to harvest and easier to manage. We don't, you know, yeah. nobody wants, it's it's difficult for anybody when it's out of hand and it you haven't taken care of this task. And 
way too long. We all know this feeling. Um, Yeah. But yeah, you can, I just want to say that you can, with a little bit of um, engagement year Mm -hmm. round, you can, you can chip away at it and you can, you know, just spend a little bit of time with the tree year round or if you're not able to. Yeah. Yeah. Call somebody. And you were also recommending, I mean, even just looking online at some, there's some really good videos out on YouTube, you know, just, I mean, look it up. And, um, and I have seen this too. There are some really excellent pruning videos out there that do show you exactly what you need to be doing. And you can, it can really focus in on making that cut because that's often the scariest thing. It's like, oh, am I cutting too close to the trunk? Is it not close enough? Is it at the right angle? I mean, I will stand there for like 15 minutes and just stare at this branch and be like, oh, I'm going to do it wrong. Oh, no. (laughs) And, And sometimes you just have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you just have to do it. And again, these trees are so resilient that if you're making small cuts, the tree will be fine. Um, and you'll learn. I mean, if that was a will, bad cut, you'll learn. And you will learn. And it's and it's fun to watch and be like, oh, I shouldn't have cut there. And you'll you'll see how it's growth pattern. And then the next time you do it, you can yeah. you know do it slightly differently or be like, oh, I cut it there and it all started going this way. Mm-hmm. But it given, all just went straight up. I'm thinking like given that the tree is probably going to live longer than you are. Yes. There's time for it to recover. There's time for it to recover. <laughs> and it is going to be okay. Yes. Um, so if I would say like the other thing I just want to touch briefly on, do you spray any of your trees? Do you recommend any spraying? Because I also hear about, you know, you prune them and then you spray them for diseases that we get out here on the coast. Do you do any spraying or do you recommend that or not? Or? I will preface again by saying I'm not a big spray guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this comes from me and I understand it is incredibly difficult to grow apples to a supermarket level. That mm-hmm. is, um, you know, universities across the U.S. and the world have been studying how to grow apples organically to look perfect in a supermarket. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does take a big spray program. Um, I personally do not sp- spray anything beyond like compost tea and light things on younger trees. So I mm-hmm. can't speak to that, but there are there are resources to do it. I can't advise on that part because yeah. I'm I'm not a big sprayer, and that you know that partially comes from I am a cider maker, mm-hmm. and cider has forever been uh, the catch-all for all the other apples. If you had a big orchard, you know you would have your A grades for your you know nice eaters, the ones you give to your teacher, your B grades that you might make into pie or sauce, and then everything else goes to your local cider maker. <laughs> so you don't mind if it if an apple's damaged or it's got slight. Yeah. imperfections or stuff like that that's yes. just fine because you're just chopping it up and squishing it i'm just squeezing the juice <laughs> out of it i'm not keeping any of the solid material so all that all those blemishes can stay behind and go in the compost pile yeah but the juice is is still sound um you and know, the juice tastes just as good from a damn blemished apple as from a beautiful a small one. apple a big apple an apple with a scab all that stuff yeah the juice well, and also I think it's good. I mean, and I, I, I say this coming from, you know, a, a produce grower's point of view. I would love for people to become more tolerant of slight imperfections and maybe even not so slight imperfections in their produce because growing produce to that perfection standard is really doing a lot of damage, I think, because it can take excessive amount of chemical use to get things to be that perfect. And oftentimes, you know, it tastes perfectly fine. It just looks a little funky. It's not the picture-perfect carrot or cabbage or, you know, what turnip or beet or, you know, even bunch of greens. Maybe they're a little chewed on. 
by some bug, but they're perfectly fine to eat. Yes. And I think the same goes true for apples. So, I mean, that's reassuring because that's something yeah. that's always held me back too. I've always worried like, oh, I'm supposed to spray and I didn't spray and what am I going to do now? So, I mean, if you're a sprayer and you want to spray, spray. But if you don't want to, clearly you can have successful apple trees Yes. and not have to. Yes. And um, so if people are, are, this is also a good time of year to be looking around for new trees. Like, so... Do most places stock? I mean, you hear a lot about bare root trees. Now, talk about why, when, why bare root trees? Yeah, this is a really you know fun time of year. So most nurseries, most large scale nurseries that would be selling um, fruit trees, vines, berry bushes, all these things, they would hopefully grow them in a row, tight together, so that these the roots have kind of access to real soil as opposed to like a potting mix that's mm -hmm. been kind of souped up with fertilizer and all of the things you'd find in a potting mix. So these trees have more, a more true root system in that they've, they've expanded out and they've kind of just started to mine these natural minerals in the soil. In the winter when they're dormant, like right now, you can dig those out of the beds. The tree will essentially be asleep it does not need anything more to cover its roots than just some moisture and wood chips. And you can ship and transport them in that state. They will, again, continue to sleep. And then as soon as we've passed kind of like devastating freeze events or any wild storms, you can you know put them in the ground in the March-April timeline and they should be up and running by Mother's Day. You know, we think of Mother's Day. I think of Mother's Day as the time when apples blossom so they're going to be leafing before that but you'll really start to see those blossoms around so that would be another thing to be looking around in your favorite local nursery wherever you like to go um, maybe start looking online do some research for apple varieties that you maybe want to try or ones that might do well yeah. out here um, it's just an exciting i mean it's sometimes it's just overwhelming because there's so many varieties i want to plant all of them and I would need like a 50 acre orchard. <laughs> yeah. No, this is the most, this is the most fun time of year. Uh, you know, you and I don't have enormous workloads, but there is like excitement. You've got yeah. all the seed. It's the anticipation you've got time. The seed catalogs. You've got the yeah. nursery catalogs. You've got the online, the descriptions of, you know, new things you might want to try to grow in your garden, at your house, at your farm. Um, so yeah, do some research. It, I just get so excited when I go yeah. look at a nursery. Um, I always try to let myself get like one or two new things every year to yeah. just try it or I'm going to try all this crop because it's just so exciting. And I, you know, I get bored easily. So I want yeah. one new thing to just go, ooh, what's this yeah. about? So that is so, I, it's just, it's so inspiring. And I, I love how well fruit trees grow out here. I mean, we've pretty much just talked about apples, but there's lots of other fruit trees that do well out here. You know, Asian pears and the people grow great cherries out here. The, yeah. Like the stone fruits like are a little harder. Nectarines, peaches, apricots, they, it's not hot enough. It's not hot. It's not quite hot enough. And again, you can try. And I've mm -hmm. had some really good ones, but it's, yeah. it's not something you can set your watch to. You yeah. can pretty much set your watch to yeah. pears apples, Asian pears, mm -hmm. um, and maybe some kind of hybrids along that side. But yeah, yeah. stone fruit is tough. Yeah. Um, plums are tough. I wish they were easier. I haven't had a ton of luck with them, but I'm going to keep trying because yeah. I love plums. There's um, so many things out but there. Grapes are, yeah. grapes are honestly fantastic out yeah. here. They do, they do quite well and need um, yeah. not too much care. 
So just think about it. I wanna, hopefully we've inspired you to maybe take a look at your fruit trees and, and just get out there with your pruners and go for it this year and really try to, to you know, start getting to know your tree and stay connected. Um, uh, I sadly we are out of time I feel like we could talk for like three more hours about this and I would be <laughs> I would continue to learn um, you know if you have further questions um, you can reach out to David through um, his business Carla Wine and Cider down in Nehalem Wheeler area David Hendrickson thank you so much this has been a great conversation. This is a great conversation. I feel like we're just getting going here. I know. I know. Well, I'm definitely going to, I'm just excited to go talk to my trees. And... But yeah, hopefully we can do a little follow-up. We have a fun grafting event. and. Uh... Yeah, and, and definitely stay tuned. Um, pay attention. I'm sure there's other events out here on the coast. Look for grafting events. Look for when the bare root trees start showing up in nurseries. Ask a lot of questions. Reach out. There's a lot to know about this, but don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated. Just, Just <laughs> it's going to be fine. Make some cuts and it's going to be fine. <laughs> Thank you so much, thanks David. Thanks for having me. And thanks everyone for joining us. Mm -hmm.